0: Thomas Road. Man, is it great to be with you all. We love this place. We love your pastor's precious wife, Sherry. We fell in love with his wife when she was singing with Truth back in the day, and uh, we're big truth groupies, and so we're, we're big groupies of Jonathan's wife, really. She's more famous in our household than Jonathan is, although we love Jonathan. And I got my lovely wife Donna with me today of 54-plus years. She's a wonderful woman of God. Donna. Right here, and and, uh, Doug and Jane, our dear friends, are here with us today as well, and now, of course, a part of your team. But we, uh, I want to brag on you for just a moment. Uh, We're right down on the front lines when the storm hit in the Bahamas, and we had immediate teams there in the islands immediately. And one of the very first people who showed up on the scene was the Thomas Road team. And they're coming right in. And next thing you know, we're partnering with Thomas Road. Uh, we had tractor trailer loads of supplies ready in preparation for wherever the storm hit, we were gonna be ready to go to that point of relief. And lo and behold, boom! It hits in the islands, and then we're already—we got boats and everything going. But we need to have a plane. And suddenly, I get a call from Jonathan: "Hey, we're landing back in Palm Beach. We're going to refuel. Do you have any supplies for us to take back over?" I said, "Yeah, we got two tractor trailer loads right now, ready for you, baby." So we started pumping them into that plane. And Jonathan, I know we broke every code there was in how we loaded that plane. So God, had, I was praying, God, just get it off the ground. We had that thing loaded down so much. But all those relief efforts are are paying off, and I love what you're doing. We're going to be partnering with you. Uh, Your pastor has been invited to meet with the prime minister of the Bahamas uh, to carry on this relief effort that's going to be going on. So thank you, Thomas Road, for what you're doing and leading the way in the charge of restoration. And I do believe, as we met with uh, the bishops and uh, spiritual leaders of the island just last week, I was over there and we all believe this is going to bring a true spiritual renewal and revival to the islands that I pray will sweep through those islands and leap over those waters into Florida and let it rip right up through here to Virginia, through our nation like crazy. So thank you for what you're doing. Would you give yourselves a little applause for that? Praise God. Well, you know, I was a football coach for about 15 years, and then uh, I felt the call to go into full-time ministry, and Don and I were privileged 35 years ago uh, to plant Christ Fellowship Church there in South Florida. And now our our son and daughter, uh, they lead that that charge, and and we're still there on the team, and they let us hang out, and and we get to travel and teach and be a part of, of a lot of the global ministries that we're a part of. But I got a phone call several years ago from my high school graduating class secretary. And she said to me, Tom, we're having our 50th reunion. Well, I was in total denial. I, I did not accept the fact that it had been 50 years since I graduated from high school. And that was several years ago, by the way. I, I know you, it's hard for you to believe me. you look how good looking I look here and young. Praise God. Anyways, um, listen, I know I'm getting older, but I refuse to get old. There's no way. I hang out. Everybody I hang out with is younger than I am. It it keeps you young. You know, some of my best friends are really the ages of our children. I'm going, hello. So I get this call. You've got to come to our our class. I graduated from just north of Cincinnati, Ohio, the high school called Lakota High School, Lakota Thunderbirds, what we were. Yeah. There's a Lakota Thunderbird here, I, hallelujah, Westchester, Ohio. And uh, so I said, no, I can't come, I got travels and stuff. So she calls me the next week. Tom, you've got to come, you were the president of the class. You sh- I forgot that I was president of my senior class. I, didn't, I knew I was captain of the football team, but I didn't know I was president of the class, I forgot that. You were, you've got to come, you're president of the class. I said, no, no, I can't come, I, there's no way I can come. She was so persistent, she called me the next week. Third time now, she called me. Secretary says, she's on the line again. I said, try to get rid of her. I I really don't want to talk to her. I'm not going back up to Ohio for this reunion. I don't want to see all those old people up there (laughs) anyway. And so she said, no, she will not get off the phone until you talk to her. So I get on the phone. What do you want? I'm not coming. She said, Tom, Coach Young is going to be there and he wants to see you. He was my high school football coach. He was in his eighties. He wants to see me, I'll be there. When is it, what time is it? So I flew up to Cincinnati, Ohio, my cousin who I played high school football with, he picked me up, we drove out of Hamilton, Ohio to this country club and we pull up in the parking lot and I look at these people standing around outside the parking lot and I'm thinking, there must be another event here tonight at this thing because these, I don't recognize any of these people. And I mean, it looked like the nursing home bus had pulled up and let all these people out. Yeah, and there's this this one guy, he's standing on a walker with an oxygen tank. Oh, you got it, you got the picture? With an oxygen tank, smoking a cigarette. Who who has an oxygen tank on smoking a cigarette? Only someone from my graduating class. And they were scary looking. And I looked at them, I said, Carl, who are those people? He said, that's our class. I did not want to get out of the car. There was no way I'm getting out of the car. All I got to say is this. The Ohio winners were hard on some of these people. <laughs> and I, I got out of the car, and I'm looking around, and I spot my coach. And I, I, I went straight to my coach. I fell on my coach's arms. I grabbed Coach Young. I said, Coach Young, I love you. It's so good to see you. Now, why did I make that 1,100-mile trip to see my coach. Because when I was a junior, in my junior year, I'm running out onto the field for our first summer to a day's practice in football. He calls me over, Mullins, come here. I come over to the coach, the coach looks at me, he says, Mullins, I want you to really work hard this year because you've got the potential to play at the next level. You play hard, they're gonna start looking at you this year and I'm gonna start promoting you and by the time you graduate next year, you're gonna be playing somewhere in college. Every kid that plays any sport always has aspirations of playing at the next level. Whatever level you play, you, you aspire to play at the next level. And for my coach to call me over and say, son, I see potential in you to play at the next level. You realize what that did to me? No one in my family had ever been to college, let alone play football in college. And the coach says, I see potential in you. He was literally calling that champion out of me. And I'm going to tell you what, I applied myself so hard that year and the next year, and I had many offers by God's grace to go to college. And I end up going to college and playing college ball and later becoming a college football coach. That's why 50 plus years later, when Coach Young wants to see me, I'm clearing my schedule. I'm going to go see that man because that man— spoke potential over me and called the champion out in me do you realize the power of affirmation the power of our words we've been in this series about loving our neighbor and there is nothing more uh, greater than our expression of love and the way we speak to our neighbors the way we speak to one another the, the way we speak to those at service at the restaurants and, and the grocery stores and wherever we are. Our interaction with people and the words and the tone that comes out of us has so much to do with reinforcing the message of love that the Savior has given us to share with the world. In the Word of God, Jesus declared on, in the Sermon on the Mount, He said in Matthew five sixteen Let your light so shine that men will see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Well, I'm, I'm translating the New Testament, Jonathan, one verse at a time, and so I've got a coach's translation for that verse. I don't know if we have, it, let's flash it up if we do. Here's my coach's translation. Let God's love shine so bright through you that people are drawn to you so you can lead them to me. Do we have it? Oh. Oh, that's a neat graphic. I didn't know that was going on up there. That's really good. I'm looking over here for the Scripture saying, where's the Scripture? Come on, where? and it's right there. Isn't that, isn't that a great verse, though? Isn't that a great translation? Our lives are to shine so bright with His love. Well, how do we demonstrate that love? It's, it's so many ways, and pastor's been teaching us for the last few weeks about how we demonstrate that love. And, 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 but I'm going to tell you what, your words are powerful things in your demonstration of that because everyone is looking for encouragement, everyone is looking for affirmation, everyone is looking for somebody to see the potential in them and call it out in them. If you thought about this, even Jesus had that affirmation from His Father. Remember when Jesus went to be baptized by John? And he came up out of the water and the dove descended, the skies parted, and the voice of the Lord was heard. This is my son, whom I love, and I am well pleased in him. The affirmation of a father over his son. The declaration and the affirmation and the affection that was demonstrated in the very voice of God to Christ. Now, we know that was primarily for the other listeners, but what did it do for Jesus when His own Father is speaking that affirmation over Him as well? The power of that affirmation. Look what the Word of God says and teaches us. The Apostle Paul says in 1 Thessalonians 5.11, "...Speak encouraging words to one another, build up hope so that you'll all be together in this and no one left out, no one left behind. And I know you're already doing this, just keep on doing it. Keep on doing what? Speaking encouraging words to one another. Look for ways to encourage and affirm. Look what it says in Ephesians 4, 29. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only that which is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. We are called to build up, not tear down, amen? Yet we live in a world today that seems like on social media and everywhere you turn, any news station you turn on, all we hear is the words of criticism and words that are tearing down, words that are destructive. We are to stand out in this dark world. We are children of the light. Amen? Therefore, we speak differently than the world speaks. So the first words out of us are not critical words. The first words out of us need to be words of affirmation. We need to be looking for ways to speak encouragement over people's lives. I tell you what, for some people, that's a hard thing to do. But here's what I know. It is so hard to spread light if you're speaking darkness. We can't be in a negative world. And and I grew up in a fantasy family. My father's family, hardworking people but they thought it was a spiritual gift to find fault with other people. It was just like, if you say something positive about somebody, they would say something instantly negative. They felt it was their their duty. I never heard my dad ever affirm me for anything. He came to all my football games. I remember one game, I rushed for 276 yards and scored five touchdowns. I come off the field, my, I'm waiting for my dad. I'm like a little puppy dog going, okay, daddy, tell me I had a good game. He said, son, you know, you missed this block. You know, you could have had another touchdown. He's going down this whole thing. Now I'll tell you what, I ran for 276 yards and five touchdowns. I know we were playing the, the Rosarian School for the Blind, but it was a good game. It was a good game. Come on, dad, get, give me at least a little break. Tell me I had a good game. He, he didn't know how to say that. I think dad and my father's family, their, their theme song was the old theme song, Hee Haw. You remember that? Gloom, despair, and agony on me. Remember that one? Deep, dark depression, excessive misery. If I didn't have bad luck, I'd have no luck at all. I mean, that was their theme song. Praise God from my mother's family. Hallelujah. Glory to Jesus. My, 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 my grandfather, their theme song was zippity-doo-dah, zippity-yay. Come on, sing it with me. My oh my, what a wonderful day! Come on, plenty of sunshine heading my way. Zippity doo dah, zippity yay. Where do you think I wanted to go as a boy? When Dad would say, "We're going to Grandma Mullins' house or Grandpa Mullins' house," and no, I don't want to go. I don't want to go. I don't want to go. We're going over to mom's parents. Yeah, I, I want to go, I want to go, I want to go. I was drawn there. Why? Because there was affirmation. There was encouragement. There was affection. They, you know, they were Dutch, but they act like Italian. You couldn't go in to meet my grandfather without hugging and kissing, hugging and kissing, hugging and kissing. And then when you left, you had to hug and kiss and hug and kiss and hug and kiss everybody in the room before you left. I, I started dating Donna, and, and, and Donna's family never hugged, never kissed, never said the words, I love you. And I remember on our first date, I'd take him around and I said, You're, you're not going to go kiss your mom and dad? Good, good, good night? We're going out. I mean, I never left my house without kissing my, my mom. My dad, he wouldn't let me kiss him. He'd, put, he'd, blow, he'd throw a forearm up. I'd come in on dad. Dad, come in. Don't you dare, son. Don't you dare. I broke him down though. When we had grandkids, he could not turn the grandkids away. My dad finally broke down and let the grandkids come in for the love. Because I was sick him, I said, "Go get grandpa. Go get him." <laughs> Every time my grandfather walked in a room, anywhere that people knew him, you know what they did when he walked in the room? They did this. They leaned in. Because they knew there was going to be a word of affirmation, a word of encouragement. There was going to be a smile. There was going to be an embrace. People leaned into it. I sad to say this, but when my dad's clan walked around, you all kind of leaned back. Oh, Jesus, help us. What's coming now? What's coming now? What's coming now? Well, let me ask you a simple question. When you walk in the room, what do people do? As children of the light... As followers of Christ, those that are light bearers, those that are, have the very spirit of Christ living in us, we should walk in a room and people should lean in to us. Because they know there's coming with us, we're bringing His love and we're bringing His affirmation into them. I'm so intentional at church, I've been it for 35 years. Jonathan, I try to, I, I try every week to tell the people how much I love them. You can tell your pastor's love and passion is so obvious. It oozes out of him. And he's, he's up here. I was just watching him up here, and I'm smiling like a possum on the front row down there. Just watching Jonathan up here loving on you and loving on people, loving on the cameraman, loving on the praise and worship people, and, and, and all that I'm going. Uh, that's how it should be. That's a true pastor's heart. He has that kind of love. And aren't you blessed, your pastor? Well, see, that should be so contagious. That should be, the, that should be the culture, and I'm sure it is the culture, of Thomas Road. Wherever you go, when you break out of here, wherever you hit in the restaurant or whatever you're doing, they should lean into you. Man, when my wife goes in our local restaurants, they lean into Donna. Because there's not a server in any restaurant we go in that doesn't know my wife. 'Cause she's first thing they do and they come on the table, how are you doing, sweetheart? How are you? How are you okay? And and then uh, next thing she know and the next thing she's always I, I always leave a generous tip, but that's never enough. My wife, she's saying, You got any money, you got any money, you got some money. She takes my cash and then she goes there and she slips in the hand of one of the servers and goes, Here, we just want to give a little something extra day. And, and and is there anything I can pray for you about? it? just I, we just love you. You're so sweet and God loves you and you just, boom boom boom. And I want to go, come on, baby, let's let's get out. Right, let's go, let's go, let's go, let's go. So now, we come into our local restaurants. They, I've seen them in the back, elbowing each other. Who gets our table? Because they know they've got Donna at the table. She's going to pray for them. She's going to love on them. She's going to bless them. And she's going to tip them better than anybody else that day. I mean, she tips more than the meal. That's Donna. Bless her heart. But we come into restaurants. You know what they do when we come into restaurants now? Oh! We're so glad to have you, coach. And, and, and Miss Donna, come on, come right on in. You know why? Because Donna's paved the way because of the way she loves people. Let his love shine so bright through us that people are drawn to us, so we can what? Lead them to him. She's led several of our servers to Jesus. The period of time of just loving on them loving on them, and loving on them. Wow. The Word of God says it in Proverbs very clearly. The tongue has the power of life and death. May we be those who always speak life. I think one of our challenges, Pastor, that we struggle because none of us are wired to be outgoing. Not all of us are wired and we look at it and we say, well, you know what? That was the way my family was. One Hey, don't give me that excuse. You can break all those patterns of the past and you can establish a new pattern in your life. Amen. You can do that. And you know what? By the way, I'm going to give you a good, good report. My father gave his heart to Jesus about a month before he died. Our son Todd led my father to the Lord. And you know that on his deathbed, he was singing the praises of the nurses and doctors in the hospital. I'd never heard him ever affirm anyone. God had turned his heart around. And now he was looking with a heart of gratitude and thanksgiving, even towards those that were serving him. And he knew as he was approaching eternity. I didn't get many hugs from dad on this earth. Never heard the words. I love you very much. I can't wait to heaven when I get up there and run into my dad's arms because my dad's a changed man because he is filled with the love of God. So break it, turn it and say, I'm going to be intentional to get on with this. You know, it's really interesting that I think we struggle with a sense of identity. And when you struggle with a sense of identity, then you're not secure enough in yourself to really affirm others. Because here's what I understand. If you don't first see the champion that's within you, it's hard to call the champion out in others. If you haven't first seen that. It's like, how do I really value others when I don't really value myself? Or the Bible says, love your neighbor as what? As you love yourself. So if we're having a problem loving ourselves, that's why we have a problem expressing that love and being that light that God's called us to be. I, I love the story of Gideon in the Bible. You know the story of, of Gideon, and, and there he was, you know, he's thrashing weed. He's in, he's in fear of the enemy that's coming against them. Always that arch enemy, you know, the Philistines and the Mennonites and everybody else, I come in there against them. And, and oh, Gideon's down. An angel comes to him and says, Gideon! mighty man of valor, mighty warrior. And Gideon's looking around like, who are you talking about? He said, God's going to use you to deliver the Israelites. He said, me? Listen, I'm in Manassas. We're like the praise team. You know, we're not the fighters. You know, we're we're not like Judah. You know, we're not like Benjamin. We're, We're not of those tribes. And by the way, my clan's the least clan in our tribe, and I'm the least family in our clan I'm the least of the least of the least God cannot work through me but that's the one God went to and said hey mighty warrior because God saw the potential in Gideon even though Gideon didn't see the potential in himself Through Jesus Christ has come to call that out in us and for us to embrace who we are in Christ I love this scripture in Ephesians 1:11. this is a great verse Ephesians 1, 11. It is in Christ that we find out who we are and what we're living for. Is that not a great verse? It's in Him. And when we discover that, then we are free to begin to share that love with others. We become secure in that love. I've always loved the story of the prodigal son. When he comes home, he said, I'll come back and just be a servant. You know, I've messed up my life completely. I turned my back on my father and my family. I've wasted all my inheritance. But he comes home. What's the father do? Here's my son, covers him with the robe, puts the ring on the finger, sandals on the feet, and kisses him, affirms him. My son, listen, we can be secure in God's love. And when we're secure in God's love, then we are able to be secure enough to look beyond ourselves into the lives of others and call that champion out in them. As we look beyond the faults the failures and the weaknesses and all we are equipped with are robes of affirmation. And words of affirmation that's who we are that's what we're called to be as children of the light that will turn this region upside down on its head because of your commitment to take responsibility that every day i'm going to look for one life that i can affirm today one life i can affirm today let me give you three quick coaching tips on how to live a life that affirms. Number one, you've got to focus your thought life. We've got to focus, as the Bible says, we've got to take every thought captive, make it subject to Christ. What did Paul say in, in the book of Philippians? Finally, think on the things of good report. If we're thinking on the right things, we'll speak the right things in the right way. we got to focus our, our thoughts. You know, you know, here's a simple little statement that I, I wrote this down. I didn't want to forget this. When you think the best, And believe the best then you will speak the best over people so we're looking for the best we're gonna believe the best and then we'll begin to speak the best over people focus your thought life isn't it amazing how we immediately look to the faults of each other it's so easy to see it oh my goodness gracious you can you if any of you ever play golf it's so easy to see the faults in the other guy's swing but it's harder to see the faults in your own swing. So let's don't worry about, you know, seeing the faults in their swing. Let's go say, man, I, I see such potential in that swing. It's in there, Jonathan, I, I, I've seen you swing. <laughs> it's in there, son. Keep swinging, baby, keep swinging. It's, it's gonna come out eventually. this Keep swinging, I, I, it's in there, it's in there. Here's the second quick coaching tip. Hang with affirming people. Hang, hang with like minded people because when you're hanging with the right people, they will help you be affirming. I love to be with affirming people because it reinforces my need to be affirming. I was played high school ball, and I had all-state honors and honorable mention, all-American honors, and, and I ended up going to a small college because that's where my cousin wanted to go. It was the only place he got offered a college scholarship, so I turned down some, some ACC schools and some other schools up in Ohio and, and the Mid-American Conference and so forth to go with him to this small college. We get there, three days later, he quits and leaves, and I'm going, I'm stuck in this little school, small school. What am I doing here? I could have been playing in a much bigger school, but I had no idea how tough It was. It's one thing to get hit by a 250 pound boy. It's another thing to get hit by a 290 pound man that just came out of the Vietnam jungle back in the 1960s. And that agent, whatever that stuff was, the orange stuff they're talking about, whatever affected these kids, it was on them. I mean, they were wicked. And they, they wanted to, their, their motto was kill every freshman on site. And, and I don't know if you guys, you old-timers that played, but when I played, they would never give us water. Water made you weak. They gave you a salt tablet. Like that was supposed to say. They believe a salt tablet and an athletic tape would cure cancer. It didn't matter. A salt tablet and athletic tape. Whatever. Tape it up. Give them a salt tablet. So they wouldn't let us drink. Water. I mean, we'd get out and get so dehydrated. I remember about four days into, uh, two days into summer, I was so exhausted one day. I'd thrown up everything I'd eaten. It felt like for weeks. And and I didn't think I could go on. And they call, and, and, and they're dragging bodies off, dragging them off, dragging them off the field. And they just lay the guys on the side. They wouldn't even drag them to the training room. Just drag them off and leave them laying there. Like, pound them up, pile the bodies up. You know? And when they would bring water out then, they would bring it in a bucket with a towel in it. And you had to grab the towel. This is a southern term, you should all recognize this term. I know you're very sophisticated here in Lynchburg, but folks my family can that came from Kentucky, they're not sophisticated. And they would call, you'd sop it up. So you would (laughs) and we freshmen were the last ones to the bucket. By the time I got to the bucket and all them linemen and then dirty linemen and blood and, and mud and everything else had been handling that, a fly wouldn't land on that bucket. But I've learned this, desperate people will do desperate things. That day they didn't even bring the bucket out, and I had for the first time thoughts of actually I couldn't make it. I was standing there, the coach blows the whistle for wind sprints at the end of it. I'm heaving, I'm delirious, I'm so dehydrated, and I don't think I can make it. I don't think I can take another step, and we got to run 40-yard wind sprints. and, And I literally, for the first time, I had this thought, I don't think I can make it. And a thought of quitting, I'd never quit anything in my life. That thought came through my mind. And I'm sitting here, huh, huh, huh. and this senior All-American fullback comes walking by me. And he said, hey, rookie, I didn't know he knew my name. <laughs> Upper class never spoke to us, never spoke to us. They were in a different locker room. They ate different places. They had nothing to do with us. He said, hey, rookie, run with me. When he said that, I got down beside Charlie, and I just kind of drafted off him, and I got through those wind sprints, and when I did, I collapsed on the ground, and he walks by me. I'm laying on the ground. He walks by me, and he said to me, rookie, you're going to make it. You're going to make it. and left me. Where do you think I lined up every practice after that for every drill? I was right beside Charlie. By the way, I didn't know this till later. Charlie was a Baptist minister. Yeah. Bless his heart. He had mercy on me. <laughs> and you know what? Instead of quitting the team, I made the team. And by the second game of the season, I was starting. But I was at a pivotal point, ready to quit, when someone came along and said, run with me. You're gonna make it. Don't ever minimize the power of a simple word of affirmation. It can turn the course in people's lives. Sometimes they think we have to do the big dramatic, when really the reality is, is sometimes it's in the soft, subtle, sincere words of affirmation that come from us. And finally, let me close with this keep focused on your mission. You've been called to be Christ's ambassadors as though he was making his appeal through us. We are on mission. Every day, we've got to keep that focus that we're on mission. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my God and my Redeemer. That night that Mordecai Ham preached a simple little message in a country church. He had no idea that there was a young teenage boy sitting out there by the name of Billy Graham that would be impacted, that would touch the nations of the world. You never know with your words who you will touch and who they will touch that will ripple down through eternity. My grandfather that I love so much, that man of great affirmation and encouragement, had about an eighth grade education. He passed her little church, never more than about 100 people ever. But I was saved in that church. He married my wife and I. He dedicated our son, Todd. And out of that little church, 27 pastors were raised up in that little church of 100 people. And I took a little calculation the other day and There's been 130 nations of the world that the gospel's been shared in out of that little church. Because one man, one man decided to let the love of God shine so bright through him that people were drawn to him so he could lead them to Christ. The power of your words of affirmation can touch and change lives for eternity. So let me say something to you. You look so good. I love you. And I'm looking at world changers right here. Let your love be so unique and distinct from the tone of your lives and the tone of your words it will set you apart and you will sign bright for Him, and your life will become attractive. People will be drawn to you so you can lead them to Him. Thomas Road, I love you. God bless you.
1: Those words are the words that every single one of us need to hear, but they're also the words that we need to live, that we need to make sure that we put into practice in who we are and what we do. Because when you leave here in a few minutes, you're going to go out into a world, number one, that's not going to want to hear what you have to say, unless they see in you something that draws them to you. That's why we've been talking about, man, loving our neighbors as ourselves. That's why we've been talking about showing what it means to be a child of God. And today, as you walk out of here, that's the passion that we've got to have. Now, one thing that we've seen today are words, but we've also seen in practice. Because as Tom shared with us today, here's one thing that that we very clearly were aware of. Is Tom lives what he preaches. I mean, I think all of us kind of feel, if you've never met Tom, I think you kind of feel like, hey, he's a guy I'd like to hang out with, right? Because he's got the love of Jesus in him and he wants to give it. Now listen, here's what the love of Jesus is. Here's what drives him. Here's what makes him do what he does. It's because he knows without any question, without a shadow of a doubt, that God loves Tom. And that God showed that love to Tom by letting his son Jesus come to this earth and die on the cross for his sin. And then three days later to walk out of that tomb to give him the gift of salvation. And he's been so changed radically by that message and by that gift that he just wants to live every day making sure that others get to hear that and live that gift too. So maybe you're here today, maybe you're watching today maybe you're listening. He you said, you know, I'd I, I love to experience that kind of love because I've never seen it anywhere else. The same God that loves Tom is the God that loves you. The same Jesus who died for Tom is the same Jesus who died for you. The same Jesus who, who paid for your, his sin paid for yours on that cross. And the same Jesus that walked out of that tomb so Tom Mullins could be living the life that he's living is the same Jesus that walked out of the tomb so that you can live that life and that you can have the promise of eternity as well. And so today, here's what I want you to know the greatest news you'll ever hear. Doesn't matter what your past looks like, doesn't matter how you've lived, doesn't matter what you've done, it doesn't matter how bad you have been. Jesus covers it all. All that we have to do, according to God's Word, not this preacher, not that preacher, all that we have to do is believe that Jesus is the Son of God, to believe that He died and that He rose again. And Romans 10, 13, if you've been here Thomas Road, you hear me say this every single week, and I hope you're not tired of it because you're going to hear it every single week, to here to come, all the way till Jesus comes. Anybody who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Anybody. Doesn't matter who you are, doesn't matter what you've done. So today, if you want to meet that Jesus, all it comes down to is this. I believe. With our heads bowed and with our eyes closed, Father, today we thank you for the gift of your Son. We thank you for the change that it brings, the life that it gives, the hope that it offers, the salvation that is assured. And so God, I pray that today that anyone gathered in this room that doesn't know you, I pray that they will make that decision today. Those watching, those listening, that they will say, yes, I believe in Jesus. God, I pray that you would do an amazing work in this moment. For that, we'll give you the praise. In a moment, we're going to stand. We're going to sing. Our altar's open. Our team is here. And if you want to meet Jesus today, if you want to come down and kneel here and and just ask for God to fill you up with that affirmation, with that power that He wants to, if you want to come and join our church, if you want to come and leave a prayer request or come for baptism, whatever God is speaking to you today, I encourage you right now as we all stand and as we sing these words, step out right now. We want to take this opportunity to thank you for joining us here today. You know, at Thomas Road Baptist Church, since our very beginning, back in 1956, we've been about one thing and one thing only, and that is to bring the message of hope that comes through Jesus Christ to the world. And today, my friends, we recognize we live in a world that's messed up. We live in a world that's full of division and conflict and pain and sorrow. But Jesus came to this world not to bring division and sorrow, but to bring joy, to bring peace to bring hope and today that's the message that we want to share with you and if you're watching this and you've never had the opportunity of of connecting with him at that level of understanding what it is that jesus came to do then i encourage you and i want to let you know the greatest news you'll ever hear and that's this god loves you he loves you with an everlasting love in fact he gave his only son jesus to come to this earth to die on the cross to pay for your sins and for my sins to do for us what we never could do for ourselves what an amazing gift that really is. God loves you, Christ died for you, but three days later he rose again. And when he came out of that grave, he gives us victory over sin, over Satan, over the grave. He gives us the hope for eternity. But according to God's words, very clear, what we must do is believe. We must believe that Jesus is the son of God. We must believe that he died and that he rose again. And if we do that, according to Romans ten 13, anyone, that means you, it means me, it means every person that has ever lived, anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And so I encourage you today to recognize that hope that comes to Jesus. And if you've never trusted him as your Lord and Savior, do so today, believing that he is who he said he is, that he did what he said that he did, calling on his name and it'll change everything. That is the message that we share. It's a message that we want to take to the entire world. And today, I would encourage you to connect with us, maybe even financially through a gift that you can help us to take this message around the world. I encourage you today to stand with us as we stand with truth, as we stand with hope, to let the world know God loves.